Welcome to the Origins of the Hunt podcast, where we bring like-minded individuals together, share stories, strategies, and discuss everything outdoors. Thanks for tuning in, and remember, never stop learning. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. Welcome to episode three of Origins of the Hunt podcast. This episode will be joined with Troy Dietrich. Troy's out of southeast Pennsylvania. He has his page, uh, Dietrich Outdoors. Uh, Troy, want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Give us a little bio. Yeah. Um, yeah, my name's Troy Dietrich. I'm from southeast um, Pennsylvania, kind of suburban Philadelphia area. I guess you'd call it. I'm about an hour outside of Philadelphia. Um, my main thing I do is uh, whitetail hunting, of course. Um, and I'm pretty... 50 50 with public and private i hunt a lot of public and private as well um i um let's see mostly bow hunt but you know if i have tags to fill i'll i'll pull out the the gun if i need to, to get some meat in the freezer but um just like uh mobile hunting hunt from the saddle most of the time i have some fixed stands but just kind of a good spread of, of both worlds really awesome awesome yeah so uh you had a heck of a season. You did a little bit of traveling out of state. Uh, that's something I wanted to get into this year. Actually, I think you and I may have talked briefly on that uh, right when I was trying to make the decision if I was going to go or not. I know I'm definitely a lot closer than you are right. to to the border, but you ended up pulling the trigger on it. I I just I talked myself out of it. It seemed like every mm. every other day I was looking and not, I I have a, a piece probably. 40 minutes from me and I was kind of limiting myself to that one spot and it just wasn't, I didn't feel confident and yeah. I know I'm never going to feel hundred percent prepared to, you know, just last minute, go, go across the border and, and try my luck. But uh, let's start out with Ohio. Uh, you're out of state buck. Okay. What, what drew you to that? Was that something that, I mean, have you hunted out of state, you know, Ohio before, or is that something, you know, you kind of, you were on my, the same page as me, just kind of last minute decision. Uh, this year it was last minute for sure. Uh, last year it was my first time hunting Ohio. We went out in March and scouted it a little bit and um, went back in the first week of November last year and um, ended up almost not even hunting any, any of what we scouted. We hunted that same state park, but we didn't hunt the places that we scouted much. Uh, we were doing some boat access stuff, so we didn't take the boat out to scout. But long story short, that was um, <clears throat> overall it was it looked like a success that trip was last year. But um, I didn't see like any deer. I actually missed a buck op- the first day, <clears throat> so it was like I missed a buck the first day. My buddy Travis killed a buck the first day, and then after that, we didn't see like any deer. And when I say like any deer, I'm talking like not even a doe. <clears throat> And then the last day, my brother killed uh, a buck. So th- three of us went, two of us killed bucks, and I missed the buck. So it sounds like a really great trip. But from that Monday to that Friday when he killed that last buck, it was like dead. Like it, it almost, it was a learning experience. It was a humble experience. But anyway, I had a tag in my pocket still. So I went back to Ohio to a different spot. Um, I think it was January of this year, you know, last year's season. And uh, drove all the way out there just because I had a tag in my pocket and just for something to do kind of thing and took a weekend off or something like that. And 
hit a new spot. And that trip, I actually, this makes me sound like a totally unorganized mess, which I'm not. I'm usually like super detailed with everything. I forgot my pack at at my house and drove all the way to Ohio. So I didn't have, I didn't have my, uh, a knife to clean a deer with. I didn't have any of my saddle stuff, my sticks, nothing. So I had my bow and I had some warm weather gear. So it was like nine degrees. I was crunching on the snow, trying to make it work on the ground. And it was just not even going to happen. So I ended up going home the next day. This year, my buddies went back out to Ohio and I kind of tipped them off to the spot that I was in late season because it looked really good. Um, they went out and he was wanting me to come out, but I just had a, our second, we just had our second kid uh, 14 weeks ago or something like that. So she's really young. Um, so I told myself I wasn't doing any out-of-state stuff. Um, finally talked the wife into letting me go for three days. Um, I had three days and I had plenty of vacation days left to burn at work because I killed my buck in October here this year, um, a little earlier, and went out, drove, drove out Monday morning, um, left here at one o'clock, got out there like 8.39, <clears throat> went into this hollow that I, I found when I was out there in late season that looked really good. And, um, and set up in a spot down in this hollow. There's like a clear cut, um, logging road that goes into the hollow clear cut on the other side. And there's this one just dirt path trail through this middle of this hollow, even though it was big, great flat bottom hollow. And I said, well, look no further. I'm just going to set up on this, on this. I know the deer are going to be running this. It was the second week of, uh, November. That would have been November 15th or 14th. 14th it was. And, um, and, um, my buddies have already been out there for a few days and they saw some deer action, but anyway, I got out there and, um, got set up. I, I got set up in my tree. It was like nine o'clock. I was just going to do an all day sit there. <clears throat> and, um, when I was setting up, a spike was coming down that trail, that, that main trail. And I was like, all right, it's a good sign. You know, not what I want to see, but good sign. Um, and then I saw another spike when I was still setting up a different one all in that same area. So I was like, all right, it's all good. And then uh, got set up and where it was was like the edge of a clear cut. And if you ever hunted like clear cuts, this was an old clear cut, I'm guessing 10 years old or so. It was just like whips everywhere, you know, like just the saplings that are growing up all over the place. And once I got up there, I didn't have very good shooting to that main trail, but there's a couple windows, but <clears throat> it was my, it was where I needed to be. I was a little nervous about that. And, um, anyhow, it was about 12 o'clock. <clears throat> I started getting cold. So I reached my bag and I, I'm saddle hunting. So I'm facing the tree and that trails to my left. I take my bag, put it on my knees and start rooting through my bag for my, for my, uh, hot hands, hand warmers. And I hear a buck, I hear a deer coming in and it was a buck and it came running in from, from uh, my right. So like my offside shot and I got my pack in my knees. I'm like fumbling around. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like my chance. And it was nothing huge. It was like a like year and a half, eight pointer or something like that. But I was certainly wasn't going to be picky on this trip. And um, <clears throat> I was like 20 feet up in this, on this rim of this hollow. And um, he went down in the bottom of the hollow. So I like, I'm like all twisted up, trying to get my pack red off me without dropping it. Finally, get it off to the side. And I do just do a complete 180 in my saddle, which is not the easiest thing to do. And um, and uh, he just never gave me a shot. But then he ran across the hollow and 
he met up with some other deer and I was like, oh man, that's another buck and a doe. So he must have winded that doe. The wind was kind of blowing this way into that cut. I was hunting the edge, that trail. He must have winded that doe and went over there and this other buck was like the same caliper buck, like a two-year-old, year and a half, eight point, um, but a little bit bigger. And he kept on running this smaller one off and um, the doe was obviously hot and, and they were just playing around like crazy over on probably 100, 200 yards behind me. And um, I was like, man, if I play my cards right, this is like that main trail that comes over to this thick area. I'm like, in a matter of time, he that doe is probably going to want to escape and come this way. You know, of course, it could have went up further, but I came in from that way. So I didn't think it would want to come it go to escape to where, you know, my parking lot was or whatever. So um, and that's pretty much exactly what happened. That, that doe came up um, that trail. And it was actually pretty hard to get a shot like to that trail. But I was thinking, man, if he comes up here, that's how I'm going to have to make it happen. And he ended up coming closer to me for some reason. And then straight up that steep embankment. I don't know if you saw that little clip of the video I posted when I when I ended up killing him. And he was about um, 10 yards away. And it is a frontal shot. And he just, um, I knew it was like, when they're running like that, they don't really stop for long, you know, because his doe was already... 50 yards away from him or something. And um, he stopped, it was frontal. And um, if, if he didn't turn his head, it would have just been only a headshot, which I would have never took, you know, but he turned his head, you know, hard to the left to look at his doe. And I was already drawn back at that point. And I just drilled him just right down in the, in the neck. The arrow only penetrated like eight inches, but it just dropped him like a ton of bricks and he ended up sliding down in that hollow. It was, it was really cool. I mean, Sometimes hate to kill him that way, but it's like if you don't have to track the deer and he's dead within a minute, I mean, can't really complain. He just he bled out. I must have hit one of those main arteries or something like that. Right. Yeah. I think that that goes back to why you got to practice. I mean, practice, be confident with those shots because you do know you never know when you're going to get in those situations. I mean, I I've never been I've been archery hunting for about ten years. I haven't really became. I can't can't think of any time I've had. I've been presented with an opportunity to take a shot like that. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, in the beginning of my years until actually a few years ago, I was very, I was very selective. Mm -hmm. So now I'm, I'm more confident. I would take that shot if, if it presented itself now, but before I wouldn't, Uh, but that's definitely something, you know, you knew you, you were definitely confident in. you knew when to take that shot and, you know, yeah. it obviously paid off and there was no issues with it. So you, you were pretty much just using historical data into, you know, that's, I guess that's something that I, I need to do. I want to make a trip over that's So that's, it was an area you've had, you know, you were familiar I with. In the familiar. Past. Yeah. Yeah. And that does make it easier. I mean, I think I me, got lucky when I went in there on, um, you know, in the late season that, I mean, I was, I was e-scouting. It wasn't like I was just wandering. So I picked right. that spot out. I wanted to go to that cut. And then on the way to that cut, I found this area. The cut was almost unhuntable. Um, but I just kind of bookmarked that. Like, yeah, that would be a decent spot to go back to. So it's the first spot I wanted to go to. And once I saw that main trail, it was just like, this is where I got to be. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, at least I did a lot, a lot, a lot of e-scouting in a matter of a month. So mm-hmm. I think that's already going to give me a leg up next year. I plan on hunting Pennsylvania and Ohio 
at the same time next year, just being so close. Yeah. So I think that's going to give me, you know, like you said, a bookmark. And I might walk into some of those places. You know how e-scouting works. Yeah. You can walk into that place and it might, it's going to, might may look completely different. Yeah. hundred percent. So, I mean, that's just, that's part of it. You got to, e-scouting definitely comes in handy, but boots on the ground. I don't really know if, if you can get much better than that, but. Yeah. Yeah. And when I, when I decided to do, to do that trip, I mean, I didn't have my Ohio license. I bought it the night before, you know, like I was, it was totally last minute. And, um, I didn't even, I didn't even really look at the maps or anything I, until I, I just knew that I wanted to go back down to that hollow and, and, uh, it just, sometimes I don't know, preparing is good and all, but like sometimes, um, just, I don't want to say like fly by the seam of your pants, but like, it was, it was seriously kind of like that. I was like, well, I got nothing really to lose. Trying, you know, like I got three days here and, um, and go in, well, just go in guns blazing. Yeah. And, and just find that hot sign and set up now, now on the way to that spot, there was also a ton of hot sign too, as in just, just tracks in the mud, just like big tracks and rubs and stuff like that. And, and I was like, man, do I set up here? Or do I go down in a hollow where I wanted to go? Because you always hear about people saying, you know, you just got to hunt that hot sign, that fresh sinus, that other thing. But um, I actually messaged um, uh, Johnny Stewart because I, I I talked to him now and then. We're not buddies or anything like that, but he's usually pretty good about getting back to me. And uh, I kind of just said that. I said, look, I, I'm going down in this hollow, but I'm like, there's a, some monster tracks in here. Like, like there's a big deer running around there and there's fresh tracks on this logging road do i just set up here it kind of seems silly because it's only you know halfway between where i was and the parking lot so not not super close but you know way closer than i usually go on public and uh he's like yeah he's like but do you think they're using that in the daytime and i was like yeah probably not like thank you you know and then it kept on moving you know what i'm saying it was probably just all nighttime, like, and it was fresh enough where it was 100% from the last 24 hours. But, um, but you need that, you need that little word of advice because yeah, a little confidence. In, in the heat of the moment. I mean, I'm a mobile hunter, public land hunt. I know how that feeling. I mean, you come across that sign and you're constantly second guessing yourself. Is yeah. it fresh enough? Well, okay. Yes, it is fresh enough, but. Like Johnny said, what time of day was it fresh? Yeah. Yeah, it might have been a couple hours ago, but a couple hours ago was three in the morning, you know, two exactly. in the morning. Yep. So so talking about big deer, cutting tracks on big deer, big deer in general, you're bucking PA this year. Yeah. Uh, what did he score? About 150, just over 153, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, 153 and some change. Was that, a, uh, was that your biggest buck in PA or is that, yeah, is that a target buck this year? Yeah. 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 That was, um, yeah, that's around here. I mean, you're in Western PA, right? Right. Yep. Yeah. So you guys get a little bit of that triple over those big deer, but in Eastern PA, you don't see stuff like, I mean, it's getting better every year. Like it's, I mean, we probably, if you're from PA, you probably follow the Pennsylvania whitetail uh, stuff and on, yep. and it's like, dude, this slammers after slammers. I mean, ones that make our bucks this year look small. Yeah, you know? I know. It's like, and that's, crazy. I mean, I saw your buck this year and I'm like, that's from the eastern part of the state in yeah. in the way over here. I mean, my buck, I didn't, I haven't gotten quite scored, but you know, officially scored yet. He's going to probably go over one forty. Yeah, I, think. I mean, over here, that's 
that's a monster. But yeah. for the eastern part of the state to shoot something like that, yeah. I mean, what were you? Were you? Was that a private property? Or yeah. Was, were, so were you? Were you managing this property? You know, were you doing anything to to maybe hold that deer? Did you have history with them, or was it just kind of? Yeah. You, know, you knew he was there. Or? A little, a little bit of both, but um, but I can't take a whole lot of credit for like holding him or anything like that. Um, this is on our farm that we bought this year um, here in southeastern Pennsylvania. So yeah, getting back to back to the deer caliper, you, you if someone shoots a 120, 130 inch deer around here, that's just mind blowing. You know, that's big. You know, like we have crops and stuff to to sustain them, and and we have a lot of um, like where I directly live isn't very suburban, but you, you drive ten minutes and you could be, or twenty minutes and you could be in in some towns where. You know, some deer could get old in these old parks and stuff like that. You have those exceptions, but but um, but there's still a fair amount of hunting pressure around here and stuff like that. You know, the next maybe the next biggest deer around here is a like that I see every now and then might be 120 inches. You know what I'm saying? It's not like I have 130, 140, 150 running around. I'm right. being selective. But this deer in particular, I saw in um, late July, I think it was like one of the last months, uh, days of July, uh, he was walking across my backfield and we were just got done eating dinner with my family. And I'm like, oh, first, like a little eight pointer came out or not a little one, like a two year old eight pointer came out, just a decent little buck. And uh, and my uh, I was like, oh, yeah, it's a pretty good buck looking at binoculars. And then maybe 20 minutes later, my father in law, who's not a hunter. Um, he was like, oh yeah, wow, that is a big buck. And I'm like, yeah, you know, like, you know, how like guys that don't hunt, like if they see a buck, they just think it's like huge kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, I'm like, look at it again. I'm like, holy crap. Yeah. That's not the same one. And here is the one I, I end up sh- shooting, but, um, it's just that it was a, just a giant 10 pointer. It was in velvet then. So it just looked really huge, but, um, and it had a, uh, this wicked like drop time coming out off of its base like six, six, seven inch drop time. And, uh, it was, I was just like mind blown. I couldn't, could not believe that that was on my property, let alone it around this area is by far the biggest deer I've ever seen in, in, you know, real life besides a deer farm or something silly. Um, but I have, I have cameras littered around my property of 50 acres here and, um, I, I manage it for deer a little bit and uh and then just have cameras out and i never had that deer once on any of my cameras i think i have eight cameras out so i specifically told myself not to get hung up on that deer because i didn't want to just like lose my beans on that all season you know what i'm saying like my goal was this is my first time on this property it's my first year here i just want to kill kill a respectable mature buck if it's a wonky seven pointer but it's three years old four years old that's fine. Like I'm, I'm not going to be overly picky. I just want to try to manage them a little bit better with, with not killing young ones, you know? And, um, so that's what I told myself. Never saw him once until, um, he showed up on trail cameras September 25th. And, um, so I knew he was around again, but, but I ran eight cameras all through the summer, never had him once until September 25th. So uh, I still don't know if he, was just super elusive and, and knew how to avoid the cameras or if he maybe just didn't live here and he's just passing through it. So September 25th, solemn. Um, that was, that was it. Knew he was around, but I was still sticking pretty true to my game with just like, man, eh, whatever, like sure. I'd shoot him if I could, but 
not going to let that jeopardize my whole season. And I'm not going to pass the one twenty, thinking of waiting on him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That would, I would it, yeah, wouldn't even, wouldn't even. If I saw a good hundred ten inch three year old, it would have been shot. Honestly, to be to be honest. But um, so the day, the day I uh, or the week that I killed him, he showed up on uh, my cell cameras on a Wednesday. That was a Thursday, Thursday night, October 25th or something like that. And, um, but I didn't know it was him. So, and I didn't, and I already had plans to go up to this big piece of public land. I hunt and been hunting for four years now or so on Friday with a good buddy of mine. And, um, so I already had like my, my truck was packed and everything. I knew what I was going to be doing, but he showed up that Thursday night and, uh, I could just tell it was a good buck. I don't know. Okay. Truck. Cell, cell cameras and when they're getting sent to your phone they're not always the clearest and it was just like the side of his rack definitely didn't see a drop time or would have known it was him so again i'm like kind of feel stupid for leaving my property and going driving an hour or two north to go hunt some public for the day when i have this thing right in my backyard but uh, i was like now nah, i'm gonna stick to my plan i made 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 a commitment with my buddy and stuff like that so um so we drive up there, had a decent hunt, just saw some dough and stuff that, that day. And I actually came home. We had to get him, my buddy home before like four or something that day. So I came home and I was thinking about hunting my property again for that deer. And uh, there's like a harvest that, harvest fest thing at my parents' um, my parents' church that my, my wife wanted to go to. So I was like, all right, let's just, I'll, I'll go to this. Even though it was like killing me to not to just go out and try to hunt this thing. Um, it was a north wind, so it was kind of an iffy wind to hunt my property anyway. So went to this harvest thing. You know, it was, it was real nice and cold. It was, I think it was the same weekend you killed yours, right? Or it was within a few days of when you killed yours, I think. I shot mine the 27th, October 27th. Yeah, so you were probably getting the front a little bit before us because you're, you know, half yeah. across yep. the state. But I shot mine the 29th. Um, so it was nice and cold. It was just good time to be out in the woods. Um, nevertheless, back to that north wind thing, my property does not set up great for a north wind. And um, I had two places in mind that I wanted to sit in the morning, but I, but I could not make up my mind. And again, getting back to like how I'm like usually like real organized with stuff. Like I usually have like the exact spot I want to go like a day or two advanced in my head, like in the back of my head, you know, I, I always open to changing, but I literally went to bed that night and I still didn't know where I was going to go in the morning. Woke up that morning, just eating some breakfast, reading my Bible a little bit. And I could not even stay awake. And I was just so drained just from, cause I, the night, the day before I woke up at like two or three to go drive two hours North to hunt half a day, three miles in, like just, just crazy stuff like that. So I was like real beat, um, Saturday morning when I woke up and, uh, Finally, it was like, all right, I'm going to take this close stand. I have a preset like right behind my house that sets up good for a north wind. And north winds are really rare, so that would have been the virgin sit there. Um, and it would have been really quick to get in. It's like it's like 20 yards off my yard uh, on this really thick, nasty bedding area. And I kind of was saving it for a north wind and, and a rut sit. So it's like, well, that, that, you know, that would work out. But then, like, something was just telling me that I need to try this other spot. So anyway, I chose the other spot. So I was already like, kind of running dragging running behind a little bit and um the way i accessed was this this spot here was um i actually took my pedal bike and rode down the road 
and then like cut into my property um, instead of stirring it up that way. What ended up paying off, but I was I was um, also the kind of guy that tries to get out like way before light because I'm filming most of my stuff and I don't want to be just setting my camera at dusk and stuff like that. So I, um, in this case I was, it was probably five minutes after shooting light and I was still getting stuff set up, but I was pretty much set up. And, um, I, right shortly after that, I had some doe feeding. I was kind of like hunting, hunting the corner of a field and it was like thick, real thick, steep hillside, but the, hill, the, the field flattened out. I was at the corner of the field and I could shoot into the field. It's probably 20 yards off the field. And um, two doe came out and I'm, I'm not opposed to sh shooting doe at all. Like I, I already shot two at this point before this, this buck. And um, we're just like having to meet my family. And my dad was like, if you get a chance on a doe, shoot it. And he's like, I'll, I'll take the meat kind of thing. So it's like, oh, all right, maybe I should, maybe I should take these doe or take one of these doe. <clears throat> and, um, it, the one was like, it was like pretty much eye level with me from the field and it caught my movement. It was like a really nice, super still cold morning. And I'm like, then I didn't even grab my bow yet. I'm just like, nah, screw this. I'm not going to blow this morning on, on the dough right now. It's a nice morning. And, um, so I just was trying to stay really still cause the, they were kind of on to me. I didn't have very good cover. Um, but I was in kind of a, kind of a, a, a weird area where I don't think they would have expected me. Um, but anyway, about 10 minutes later, I hear, um, I hear a grunt and I'm like, man, was that a, was that a buck grunt or, and that's right around the same time I started thinking that I saw a doe and a fawn coming, like, you know, kind of just like half trotting down this trail. And, um, sometimes the doe, the fawns and does will just communicate with each other. And then it, immediately I was like, nah, that was a buck. And then, then there he was, he showed up. <clears throat> and came like 20 yards in front of me. I actually had my bow in my hand at that point, had to, had the camera going, drew back on him, but, but it would have been like a straight front shot. Like if you're in a saddle, the trees right there, your strong shot would be right 90 degrees to your, to your left. If you're right-handed, well, this would have been more frontal, which is fine because I can spin around that way. But anyway, long story short, he didn't give me a shot. He never stopped running. He stopped behind a, a cedar, a cedar bush, uh, cedar tree. And his um, doe, he was chasing a doe and a fawn, just soft bumping them. And they ran down to the to the left of me where like a strong shot would be. And those other two doe in the field, I was already, I was worried about them because they already knew that I was kind of there. They knew something was suspicious. But when you have a buck like that, it's like, you're not going to, you're not going to not move and grab your bow because these will spook. Like he was kind of in rutting anyway, you know, it wasn't like a September environment you know so you just kind of risk it and you just get your stuff ready to go and so anyhow um i end up letting down on him when he's behind that bush and his does are over this way somewhere but again i'm not gonna worry too much about them he needs to step out behind his bush and um and i could see he you know maybe 30 seconds went by or so or maybe a minute or two i'm not really sure it felt like a long time but it could have been shorter anyway he comes down right where those doe ran through to my strong side shot. I just drew back as he was coming, coming out and he was um, probably between 10 and 15 yards, probably 11 yards or so, just perfectly broadside at like, you know, 11 yards. And uh, I, I murked him a little bit to stop him, but he, uh, 
I think he was going to stop naturally there anyway. And he stopped and his, and his shoulder was closed a little bit. And I'm just thinking, all right, do I just, do I just punch it right through hard shot? Like I like to shoot for the heart. So I'm like, just punch a hard shot. Or do I just, just aim back a little bit and just double on the thing? Like I got this much. I'm so close. I got a foot to a margin there or whatever. So as I'm starting to think, all right, I'm not going to shoot for the shoulder. I'm just going to double lung him. He just opens up his shoulder a little bit just to take another step. And boom, I just smoked him, just hit it. right through the heart, top of the heart, like clipped the very top of the heart with my broad head, passed through shot, went through his other other arm. <clears throat> and um, he did like a little horseshoe about like probably no more than 40 yards. And he just, he didn't even know what happened to him. It was just one of those beautiful moments where the deer didn't even know what hit him. And um, so he went, he went down and up there to about 30 yards and he just fell down. And I was 99% sure he was dead, but it's not over till it's over. So I just sat there for a while and um, just rejoiced. It was just, it was just, I was so, so happy because I knew I just smoked him. Um, yeah, that was something I I knew you shot yours close to the same date as mine. Yeah. And uh, that was something I wanted to kind of touch on is I knew I I was in the area I was in because of the wind. Like you said, it was a north wind. And it went, I think, Wednesday to that Thursday went from like a south to a north. Yeah. And that's when I killed mine. And then I think later in that weekend, it was supposed to switch to an east, mm-hmm. which we don't, like you said, we don't get north or east winds very often. No. I was, and I was, I was half tempted. I was kind of in the same situation as you were. I was, I had another buck on a property not far away from where I shot my buck. And the only reason I knew he was there is because I was hunting that property on the first day in the first weekend, we had the North Northeast winds. Okay. And that's just one of those things. I kind of wanted to see where you were at with yours because I, I, I like to see what the deer are doing throughout the state. And I knew that they were within, they were two days apart Yeah. and they were both. And that, I, that was the first thing everybody asked, you know, was it bumping? Was it, was he chasing? What was he doing? Mm-hmm. And he was doing the same acting the same way yours was. He was just, soft bumping yeah it was i got away with a little bit of movement right i did try a little bit of and the does they 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 kept glancing up at me they knew something wasn't right but they didn't didn't exactly bust yeah what killed him i think is when they split up yeah and he didn't he didn't and i don't know if that was them seeing me if that made them nervous or if they they just had other plans you know to begin with but yeah it's it's funny to see sometimes and I mean, in our case, the deer were dang near identical in the way they were acting at that time. Yeah, that's funny. I know, I know, my cameras blew up that week, that that weekend from like Wednesday till that that Sunday. Yeah, it, it was insane the amount of deer activity I had on there. And I mean, it, I don't know if it, I don't know if it got because being that time of year, I don't know if it gets the bucks moving on those big switches or if it gets the doe switching bedding areas and then you know that time of year it just throws the buck completely off and yeah it gets them cruising and but i mean in your case he was he was kind of on your property already and yeah you kind of now when you when you bought the farm was that something you you obviously you live at at the farm you didn't it's not just a hunting property so did that 
is that something you did? You know, did you obviously you probably walked the woods? Did did you think that that was a property that could potentially hold you know good deer, or is it more of you know you just you were hoping that you could you know turn it into something, or was yeah. it something that play a factor in you know where you end up buying? Yeah, in this in this case, I I mean, I wish I could say that it was like you know maybe it wasn't a property that held good deer and I was going to transform it, but now this this there's not a whole lot of bigger chunks of land in this area, and um, and I have a stream running through it, and um, I have a nice mixture of woods and fields where it's not all woods or all fields, um, and there's just if if you're local, you just know that this is a good area to hunt. So like it was it was already teed up for that. Um, no one managed it for hunting before, and it just it pretty much was overran with tons of hunting pressure in the past because it was somewhat vacant for a couple of years and stuff like that. So, um, and like you said, there's not. I that's the other reason I was kind of I was point I was getting at is I couldn't imagine. You said you're only about 10 minutes away from any bigger, not big, big city, but cities. So yeah. I know where I'm at. I, I have a lot of little little towns around. You know, Pittsburgh's an hour away from me, but right. got a lot of little towns. And you can run into big tracks of woods. Right. But it's it's not, it, it seems like those, the big tracks of woods are, they've been bought up and they're, you know, they're family farms. And right. you're not, you're never going to buy those. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's why I was kind of curious to see, you know, just one side of the state to the other what you know obviously you you said well, you had nice hardwoods and you have a creek running through so you knew it could it could hold deer just because of you know, the, the the size of the property it was yeah the features it, it had and it does back up to some other properties that are that are pretty sizable too so it's just it's just a good it's a good neighborhood for it um but um i was gonna say oh it's kind of funny back to what you said about that north wind and and like my buck and your buck were obviously you know mature buck i mean i think i think you said you had another good one on camera at some at some point but mine was by far the biggest one on camera my neck of the woods um but it's kind of funny that they slipped up that early in the morning in late october i mean i love 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 hunting octobers um october mornings rather but it's kind of funny that those two dominant mature buck were doing that same thing. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's I don't even think when it see, so like that cold front came in, mm-hmm. but when I shot mine was on Thursday and it was like high fifties still. Yeah. So it was, I shot him just before the, the temperature dropped. Cause the wind just, like I said, the wind just switched up. And then the, the temperature dropped in those next few days. But, yeah, I mean, it was nothing I was expecting to see come walking through the woods. But, like you said, I I've, I know I personally have killed more of my good deer like the last week of October, I would say. Yeah. October 20th. I know I've, I've talked about it before uh, to other people that I know there's one corner of a property that I hunt. I've hunted it for over half my life. Yeah. And I, there's just, for whatever reason, it seems like the first doe goes into heat in that, that area. Right. And it holds a mature deer every year in there. So, I mean, I was hunting there, but it's, it's something about that, that, that last week. And it just, I think it gets them just curious enough that they're not running around crazy. And I think, especially like in your case, if that may, that buck may not have been there come, November 10th 
he may have got real curious and and started chasing the ladies and and been a mile or, away by then. Or it might have something to do with like they're just getting a taste of that first couple of deer coming in the heat and they just want to be on it too. Cause like, I've heard people say that as well. You know, once that first one comes in the heat, that's like when that boss buck is going, going to make it happen. But, but to, to kind of go off what you said a little bit too, that my buck that I ended up killing, um, I, I saw it on Wednesday. So you killed your buck on Thursday. I saw it on Wednesday. It was actually warm. It was my wife's birthday. So I, we took off with warm and rainy. And we went to um, a pumpkin patch thing with our kid, with our kids. And, um, and I saw it and I was like, but I didn't know, even when I shot this buck, I didn't know it was that main hit, main hit list, quote unquote mm-hmm. buck. Um, I just knew it was a really good buck when I shot it just cause it kind of all happened so quickly. Right. I wasn't staring at its rack. I was just trying to kill this thing. And, um, but I put it together because it's, it's rack is, is tighter and higher and it's dark. And it's uh, and it's just a horse of a body, and I saw a big body dark rack deer two days or three days prior on Wednesday morning, and he was out at like nine ten in the morning. Um, um, we we're driving on the road to go to this pumpkin patch. I saw him, and so it was warm, it was rainy, and it was, you know, just oh mid morning, and it was a mid, the most mature buck out and about you know so that wednesday would have been like the very tip of that that big front i guess you can call it exactly yep yeah like i mean i'm i'm big on that i'm big on jumping on the mobile hunting definitely helped that but yeah anytime there's big switches on winds it just seems like they 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 get up and curious and like i said i don't know if it's them or if it's maybe the the does that like you said that they're they're just starting to get going to heat or if they're if they switch the bedding areas yeah whichever way you look at it that time of year it seems like it gets some get some yeah. goofy the, the start of the goofiness so like i said i haven't got mine scored yet and i missed out on on what i'm about to bring up your raffle i missed out on on entering on that what what you want to tell us about your this contest raffle and where yeah. it came from how you started that up yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, go, uh, we talked about it a tiny bit in the beginning, but I have an Instagram handle, Facebook, whatever. It's uh, DTRX underscore Outfitters. And um, I started it just to kind of differentiate my hunting and my personal life. Like I want to just follow hunting stuff or, you know, and um, and then I also have like a little at-home bow shop. I just work on friends and family bows, a few other, you know, reference um, people that refer me to other people. But um so I just wanted to start a little account for that, if you will. But uh, my buddy came to me last year and was like, yeah, we should we should do a big buck contest. Uh, there used to be one in our community like years ago, growing up, everyone used to remember was at this little mom and pop tackle bait and breakfast sandwich place, you know, kind of a thing. And it was, it was just something you always look forward to. You pay five bucks or whatever and get in this, in this contest. And every time you go in there for a breakfast sandwich or something, you look at all the the Polaroids on the wall or whatever it was just all that, you know, Oh yeah, this guy, Oh, he shot that, you know, it's just always fun. Yeah. So we're trying to bring back that, that, uh, nostalgia and just, the, just that kind of community. Um, so I was like, yeah, it's a great idea. So last year we started it and, um, we had like 115 people enter and, um, PA only, uh, we run it from archery season all the way to, um, 
end of gun season. We don't do any late season just because most people are done with hunting by that point. We just kind of want to wrap up the contest. But um, but we would give we give away a cash prize to first, second, and third place winners. And then um, anyone who enters gets uh, their name in a hat for this just giant raffle we help we we um, we do, and we just get all our donations from the the the, the contestants. Um, raffle tickets are ten bucks to buy, so that goes towards the the prizes, and also local businesses donate some stuff. And we've been really successful with getting some killer prizes. Um, I've literally, literally seen much much worse prizes and much littler amounts of prizes at like firehouses and stuff to win for a yeah. $20 ticket than this, than this contest. But, um, and then we would draw names out of that. And then we have some specialty prizes like heaviest dough and smallest buck and stuff like that. So yeah, we're, we're coming to an end with that. I actually was going to put the post out this week of the winners and then do the final, um, raffle. We did the main raffle, um, around Thanksgiving. But um, we still have uh, a saddle to raffle off the heaviest dough, and then the, then the three winners too. So hopefully, yeah. I'll post something up this week on that. Yeah, I think that's it's awesome to see to see stuff like that. I mean, you see like the the big buck. The, uh, you, we we have buck poles around, mm-hmm. but it seems like they're very far and few in between anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's just it. They're all they're, you know they're usually at like a bar or something like that, you know. Yep. And, it's just, you get, yeah, it's fun. But the way you're doing it, I mean, you have, you know, a handful, tons of, of, of great prizes and, and you yeah. know, sponsors that are, and it, it's, you know, say the way I look at it is it's a great way to get people into, not just, not necessarily into hunting, but so you say you get a saddle and nobody, they don't know what a you know, saddle is right? or, or anything of those sorts, you know, because you, you, I've seen your, your prizes and, they range from, like you said, you can, you get route, you get the $10 to get you into. You yeah. We give away bows, guns, saddles, tree stands. I mean, a lot, a lot of high dollar stuff. You know? Yeah. And it's like you said, it's, it's a, it's a friendly competition. It's yeah. nothing. And I don't know uh, if you, if you don't mind me asking, what's the heaviest dough coming in at yet? Uh, one fifteen. My brother shot it actually. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was. I've always. I like to see. There's. I think it's like bow hunter die. They do trophy dough. Yeah. And I always wonder. I'm like, you know, I shoot. I shot. I really wish I would have got mine weighed this year because she was. She had to have been pushing about one twenty. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. Um, if you play your cards right with this contest, you could like, like you know, how many people send me their their dough weights? Like five. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it didn't take it didn't take much to win their dough, and it was honor system. I mean, if you want to lie about that, then you know you got bigger. Mm. Yeah, like the the heaviest dough wins a Spartan Forge membership. So like it's cool, but you know if you right. got to lie to win a Spartan Forge membership, you got some issues. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, but uh, so and then um, the, my biggest beef was um, my biggest beef with my contest that I hold is. That like this year, I had 153 people uh, enter the contest, and I think 52 buck were killed. But I only ended up scoring and uh, posting like 27 of them because the other 20 some people were just like, uh, "It's not gonna win," so they don't even bother bringing it to me or or like sending me info on it. So like that ticks me off because it's not about like who's winning and who's losing. It's just like people just love to see people that they know or oh yeah, this guy. Oh, he killed that in five C. I hunt five C. Like just like it's just yep. it's just fun to look at, even if it's a, a eighty inch uh, basket rack six pointer, eight pointer, or whatever. Um, 
So that would be my encouragement if anyone does it next year, no matter what size. And that's what I was trying to do with like the saddle. I give away two saddles this year, but one of the saddles was given away to uh, anyone who kills a buck gets entered in to win this saddle. So that would be neck down to well, these 50 people or whatever it is. Um, so I was trying to make put a little bit more pressure on that, but still there's so many people that just don't even bother even telling me that they killed something. I'll like talk to someone like, oh, you didn't get one this year? Oh yeah, I killed one, but it wasn't big. So I didn't bother bringing it in. It's like, come on, you know? So. Yeah, well, I'm definitely going to have to jump on that next year and, and yeah. definitely help you spread the word and and get it out and see if we can, you know, get that number up to over 250 yeah. next year. So yeah, let's, uh, we'll, we'll finish up with, it's more of a serious note. Uh, you have a, a close friend of yours uh, had a, heroic accident i guess you may yeah. want to call it uh you want to go and you it's your your you know your close friend uh yeah you want to go and talk about travis a little bit yeah for sure um so my uh one of my best friends he uh works in the city of reading um at a doctor's office and he like uh he's kind of like a lead nurse in the doctor's office and um, it was Thursday. It was Thursday this week, which would make it. What date would that be? In case this doesn't air right away, that would have been um, the fifteenth of uh, December. So I'm trying to find this information here, so I can I can uh, give you his like uh, Facebook and Instagram handle and stuff like that. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's one of my closest friends. It's who I went to Ohio with hunting. It's um, my brother and him went elk hunting this year in Colorado. Um, we just, we, we literally talk every single day. But anyway, um, he was at work and, and uh, there was an argument in the parking lot, uh, a young girl on this and, and this gentleman, and um, I shouldn't even call him a gentleman. He's kind of a pile of crap. But um, they were arguing in the parking lot, and here this woman had a restraining order on this guy already. It was her ex-boyfriend. They were 23 years old. Travis went out to um, tell the guy that he needs to kind of figure his stuff out, you know, and he said, you got three minutes. And, and Travis is, like, the most loving, most caring. Like, he wasn't trying to be a hard ace, right. you know yep. what I'm saying? He was just – he's he's good with people, and he can calm down situations. He was just going out there and said, hey – you guys need to straighten this out. You got three minutes to figure this out. If you don't figure it out in three minutes, I'm calling the police because the guy was getting pretty aggressive, right? So roughly three minutes go by. I think Travis calls the police. He walks back out to the parking lot. And um, at this point, the guy pulls a gun. And um, I don't know exactly what order this fell in, but he shoots the woman in the face. It's pretty heavy stuff here. So sorry if anyone's listening to this and it's kind of took a dark turn here. Shoots the woman in the face and shoots my my good buddy Travis right um, in the chest, and by the chest it's um, it was like shot like through his collarbone basically, and it was on his um, his left shoulder, so like straight down through his collarbone. Bull went through his chest, shrapnel was into his lungs and around his spine, and um, the bullet misses aorta artery and another artery by five millimeters. So if the bull would have hit that, he would have bled out in the parking lot. Um, the guy, the shooter, ended up shooting himself. This was all just, you know, bing, bang, boom. And um, both these these poor people, my buddy Travis and this girl that he 
Um, I don't even know if he worked with her or if she just worked in the same building that he worked in. Um, we're on the ground, medics came and, and they were able to rush him to Redding Trauma uh, Center where they were um, just, you know, busting him open and were trying to stop the bleeding and stuff like that. And um, so it was a, it was a real, really scary thing. He, um, he, he stepped in and, you know, he didn't go out there knowing that the guy had a gun, you know, I'm sure he would have let the law law take care of that. He was just trying to deescalate uh, a bad situation and he got caught up in that. Um, the woman also survived and so did Travis. Um, she has, she was stabilized and is getting reconstruction surgery on her face. It's, does not sound like it's very good, um, but she's alive um, because of Travis and um, and many other people think that the guy was possibly going to be threatening the, the the work next. I guess he was getting pretty aggressive. So, uh, well, Travis did save her life and um, and maybe many others people's lives as well. Um, but he's got a long road ahead of him. Um, by the grace of God, he survived, and by the grace of God, he doesn't have any. Um, a bullet through his lungs or through his heart and through his bones and stuff like that. He has a shattered rib because of shrapnel. There's shrapnel in his lungs that they say should just heal over or whatever. They have their shrapnel around his spine that they say is, should just be able to heal as long as infection doesn't set in. It did hit one of his arteries, which was the one that was making him bleed out, and they were able to, to stop the bleeding there. Um, but that Thursday, it was um, his wife called me in the morning to tell me, and um, through a series of communication, um, one of our real good buddies, um, Aaron Hepler, you probably you might know him and follow yeah, him on Instagram too. He's, he's pretty um, uh, involved in the hunting hunting scene and writes articles for a few different companies and stuff like that. He works in ICU at Reading. So we were able to get a hold of him. His wife also works there and a lot of his good friends. So we were able to have a lot of communication there. And needless to say or whatever, Aaron called me at one point because he was getting these inner interconnections and uh, it wasn't looking good for Travis. And it was, um, it was getting really, really dark. It was not looking like he was going to make it. And, um, and he did and he made it so um praise god for that honestly that's the uh, only reason he made it yeah like you said god is good he was watching over us and he god gives us people like travis you know and like you said he didn't know that 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 guy had a gun but god sent him out there anyway right and look what you know he uh he saved everybody's life and and uh who knows like you said who knows how many and inside is does he have a uh, is there like a gofundme or is there any way that people can support travis or is anything set up for him yet yeah there is um probably the easiest thing would be to do would be to follow their um facebook page um which is field and faith homestead um they just have a little you know uh, chickens and stuff they raise in their house they don't do any market market stuff like that but that's just what their handle is but anyway um yeah he has a little bit of a long road ahead of him but he was actually up and walking today he got his um breathing tubes out today he still has chest tubes he still has internal bleeding he's hacking up a lot of blood and his ribs are broken um so when he coughs it's really really painful obviously had a bullet go completely into his body so all that's just just traumatized inside there so 
Um, they do believe he'll be able to hunt and stuff next year and draw his bow and stuff like that. It's actually would be his, his bow holding arm, so that's probably better for, for that. Um, but anyhow, yeah, he does um, have uh, some sort of GoFundMe. I'm not very familiar with GoFundMe, so let me just try to find this quickly. Uh, yeah, like you said, I mean, it's 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 a blessing that he survived and, and he's still going to be able to do the things he loves. Like you said, he, he's yeah. he was injured and, and the, the woman that was involved is, is injured, but she may be you know, t- getting a lot of a, a long road of surgery, be, uh, you know, ahead of her. But, yeah, I mean, she's alive and that's in the end, that's what matters. And yep. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they there's tons of people that witnessed it at that day, people that he works with and stuff like that. And they just said they just said it was just so. I mean, you don't want to say it could happen in a good place, but I guess if that can be, that's another blessing, you know, where it happened. I mean, 100%. It's, they it couldn't have been, and if you want to say a better place, I mean, they had you know the, everybody that could handle that situation. Yeah, right so that, and... that was another crazy thing about it. Like doctors came out from his office and started they actually like put an IV in him and started like taking care of him before the ambulance even got there. And then Reading Hospital was like 15 minutes away. And um Reading Hospital is like one of the most best trauma centers because they see gunshot wounds all the time. It's not a very good city. Um but anyhow. I'm just yeah, trying to. We'll, yeah, five. we can get a we can get a link, and you yeah. can send me a. We'll get a link posted uh, in the comments on this, and we uh, for the GoFundMe, and and also a link for Travis's his page, and uh, if uh, so, again, if if anybody wants to find you, what's your page again? Uh, yeah, mine, mine's DTRX underscore Outfitters. Um, okay. Yeah, that's kind of how I've been following along with with that story between between you and Aaron. Um, yeah, Aaron's been some stuff. Too. I've been I've been kind of bouncing back and forth, and and like I said, I I thought it was something that I didn't want to touch on, but I wanted to touch on. You know, it's nothing. It's not a light light story to bring in a in a, a podcast like this. But he is a, a fellow hunter, and we uh, we we need to keep this a brotherhood, a sisterhood as as much as we can. And when when one goes down, or you know, they need need a help, or just even a prayer, you know, a thought, it's it's good to have everybody pull together and yeah, it's, um, it's pretty incredible seeing all the people just, just that, that it's touched and reached and all the people that are out praying for him right now and thinking about them and sending them meal trains and this GoFundMe and stuff like that. And, um, they, um, it's, it's kind of cool to see the community pull together. Like I had people like reposting my, thing about travis that i didn't even know they're like a, a hunting account from like missouri you know what i'm saying i'm like you know yeah. like prayer doesn't get unheard by anyone you know and people are gonna be praying all around the world for this guy and he's you know um in the one picture that his his wife posted him i ended up using on mine he has a um, psc hat and a knock on shirt hat on a knock on shirt on so um i just hashtagged uh at knock on tv john dudley's thing and his team reached out to me and was like, hey, um, we read the story about Travis. Uh, can you give us his contact information so we can get a hold of him? John wants to talk to him. And I'm like, that's that's cool. Like, that's going to be yep. like he's going to he loves John Dudley. Like, that's going to be killer, you know. And that's what I mean. That's that is what it's all about. Finding the 
the, the the good people in this in this community that we're part of and it's they're out there they're definitely you know there there are some bad eggs in every everywhere but it's it's great yeah. when you see the community come together like you said that was in missouri so that's it's 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 definitely getting out there and we're going to do what we can to to help spread the word uh, I, was talk, I was talking to his wife today um she called me on the way home from the hospital and and she said like someone from the hunting community owns like a tire shop like you know nearby or something like that and they're gonna give them four a brand new pair uh four four brand new tires for any of their vehicles or something like that uh another place from um Birdsboro or something like that, kind of out near where he works, um, reached out and said that um, they'll process his deer for life for him and the deer that he wants to get processed. And like, just yeah, like, I mean, stuff like that, like, that's awesome. Yeah. Some people might think that's a small gesture, but I mean, really that it's, it's not even the financial gesture that I mean, it's right. if you've hunted for any extended period of time, something like that, just the fact that someone's willing to, to extend that offer to you, just, his that, wife that said, is. literally, so many people have reached out from, like, specifically just from the hunting community. And that's literally just from, like, my outreach, which, honestly, I don't have tons of followers. And, like, Aaron, Aaron's got a good amount of followers. But, like, it just goes to show that it's a it's a cool community, you know, to be a part of. Yep. Well, Troy, I want to I wanna thank you for coming on and, and sharing your experiences with us. And, uh, you know, finishing up with the uh, uh, – heavy hearted story but it, you know it light hearted in the end and mm-hmm. and so like i said i just want to thank you again for coming on and yep. sharing your knowledge with us and and hopefully we can help you grow that that uh that contest next year and yeah and look forward to, to joining in on that so thanks yeah. everyone for joining us for uh, another episode of origins of the hunt podcast and remember never stop learning <laughs>